Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. With John Schuster, I am merely Mike Luke. Jacob Franklin is hiding behind the screen right now as we speak. All right. Arizona takes care of business. What was the final score, Shu? Uh, 101.93. So a lot of folks who uh, bet the Arizona over were not pleased by a meaningless three-pointer that Cincinnati hit basically at the buzzer. Schuster, we're going to get into it. We're going to break down the entire game. We've got a bunch of comments already coming in. But I want to vent on something that I find incredibly annoying. And as I get older, I find even more annoying. I don't understand how you have commentators who do not know how to pronounce players' names. And these are players, too. They did an entire feature on Kerr Krissa, as they <laughs> called him, the entire game. Omar Ballo. I don't understand how that happens. You have a few jobs here, and the most important thing is to make sure that you get these players' names right. And throughout the game, and then when they went to the halftime with Seth Greenberg, it was more Kirk Chrisa talk. I don't understand how that happens. Uh, well, uh, it shouldn't happen. You have SIDs there and phonetic uh, pronunciation guides in front of you uh, that should hopefully prevent that from happening on a consistent basis. And also you ought to have producers in your ears who should be aware of that in case there's a slip up here and there. And there are a lot of names. There are eight teams in this, in this field and Arizona certainly has some challenging names. Uh, but you know, there, there are ways to remedy that and the better announcers uh, generally do uh, a better job of that. And uh you know, it's uh, it's an annoyance, obviously, when you're uh, paying attention to the specific team and you've heard uh, other pronunciations. But I think to some degree, there's also over the years been a bit of a breakdown in this regard. And this is a little bit maybe too much behind the scenes. But I'm not convinced a lot of the folks who are responsible for finding out what exact pronunciations are uh, necessarily. It seems after a while, like there's an acceptance of how a name is supposed to be pronounced, and then that's right. all ultimately what sticks, even if that isn't necessarily right. So the the obvious thing to do, and this should be every SID's job, is go to each player and tell me how do you pronounce your name, and then and then that takes care of everything. That's the source, and that's the individual who probably has a pretty good idea how that's supposed to be done. And there are a lot of we we've seen this uh, over the years too. I um was it was it uh Budinger or Buttinger? Was it Edgerson or Edgerson? Was it um but these are, it, yeah, I, I get it. I, mean, I get it. I mean, it's all the same thing. Uh and and even locally, that has been an issue. I'll tell you a brief story when I was doing post-game show. Uh and, and this is an example of how you can fix this. It's not difficult to fix. Uh when Gilbert Arenas was here. In the early days of me doing pre- and post-game basketball shows when Arenas was a freshman here, uh, I, I pronounced his name uh, Arenas. And after about two or three games of that, uh, I think Gilbert's dad reached out to Brian Jeffries and said, if, if it's cool, if you could tell that one radio guy that the pronunciation isn't Arenas, but it's Arenas. It's like, cool. All right. Now I know. Somebody right. mentioned it and somebody mentioned it to somebody else and we got it right. And right. that's it's it, it's it's understandable in the moment as frustrating as it is, but it's also a very correctable thing. 
All right, let's get started on the game right here. We got the comments coming in uh, hot and heavy. Dirty Dancer puts it in. Team hits a million threes against us and still gets clapped. I'm going to put this team, I believe, is going to go as far as the Peaks take them this year. And here, the Peaks are... Umar Ballo and Azulis Tabellas to me are the one are kind of the total equalizer against teams out there because you've got one guy who's seven foot, you've got another guy who's six foot nine, and they should be able, not every game, but they should be able to have these kind of performances on a very consistent basis. And what happens is, is when this does happen, it slows the game down. Not that you want the game slowed down, but it basically mitigates runs. And it gives you a margin for error that you don't necessarily have if you're relying on three-point shooting. Yeah, and uh, th th this is obviously the area where Arizona has an opportunity to succeed. They have an advantage on the inside that's better than most teams in the country. And if they can go three or four deep in that capacity, a five-minute break here, a seven-minute break, because at some point, even though Ballo has gotten better and Tabellus looks much more athletic yes. uh, after a result of the offseason, which I don't think necessarily surprises anybody. Uh, those are both very, very pertinent, very helpful. They, they do a lot of good things. But one or two of them are going to get in foul trouble at some point. They're, they're, they're going to have an off night. And if you can go to another big guy on the bench who's competent, that really helps after a while. Tonight was a pretty good example. The lock and kid at uh, Cincy was good. Put up some nice numbers, made some good moves, but he was pretty much all Cincinnati had on the inside. And so you've got two for one and then three against one, and after a while it kind of wears you down. And that uh, is what I think Arizona's gift and its strength is going to be this year is that if they can control things on the inside, they're going to be very successful a lot of times. And to their credit, it appears not only do they get to the foul line, which is a big deal, Right. Because it limits wasted possessions on the offensive end. But they also make shots from the foul line, too. And those are, uh, those are you know, it's a nice position to be in, and it's a good problem to have. I think the concern, and we've talked about this already in the broadcasts uh, previously, is Arizona's issue is more going to be how good are they on the wing and how good are they in the backcourt. And tonight, they did a pretty darn good job. It wasn't perfect, uh, but... I, you know, but, Ramey was good. Let's Kendrick talk about Ramey. You know, there there were a lot of there there were a lot. Creasa was good. There mm -hmm. there were a lot of performances tonight uh, in the front and the backcourt that made you feel a little bit better about Arizona's ability to spread the well. All right. I thought Courtney Ramey, especially in that second half, he provided us a little bit of a glimpse. I think into something that isn't necessarily super present on this roster and it's a little bit of an athleticism from that guard position and an ability to be able to finish in the lane he had a couple nice as Matt, Matty M uh, was texting me he said a couple nice little Kyrie Irving kind of finishes at the rim right there again it's early it was a really nice second half for him but he looks kind of like what the doctor ordered there in a backcourt next to Kirk Chrissa as some would call it. There's a little bit of a stabilizing factor there, which is nice. And the question is, how quickly can he gel with the rest of the team? And, of course, that's an issue with every team in college basketball. But uh, based on the initial results of tonight's performance, he clearly played well, and that makes you feel a little bit better about what Arizona can bring to the table in the backcourt.
Yeah, one thing about uh, – all right, now let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, Pella Larson right there. He didn't play didn't play, play very well, and I thought it was fascinating that even with him not being able to play – not playing very well, you had so many other guys pick their game up. Cedric Henderson, Kirk Risa, um, Courtney Ramey. You really saw, I think, kind of how they can hit you from a lot of different angles. Uh, and, and that's helpful. And on the offensive end, that's obviously something that – Arizona is going to hang its hat on. We're now four games into the season. Arizona scored 100 points on uh, four occasions. More often than not, Arizona's going to put up 80 in this game. And of the eventuality against most opponents, we saw this last year, I think we're going to see this this year as well, is that the style of Arizona's play, the quickness by which they do it, their willingness to get out in transition or to run at every opportunity is going to give them a chance it's it's a continuation. It, it It is interesting in that it's a wear down factor and you don't always notice it as you're watching it. But for instance, and tonight's a pretty good example. Since he was in this game for about eight minutes, but a lot of the reason that they were in this game is that they had to make a lot of three pointers. And after a while, if you can't stop the team on the other end and your game really, how consistent are you going to be from beyond the arc? Right. When it mattered, Arizona was able to keep the pressure on, put them at arm's length, and even though since he put up some pretty gaudy offensive numbers themselves, you never really had a feeling that Arizona was threatened. And there was one thing that one of the announcers mentioned tonight, and I think this is spot on. Uh, if you get down to a team like Arizona, it's going to be difficult to rally because your ability defensively to get multiple stops right. – against an offense like this is problematic. Right. And uh, and and the you're going to have to be able to limit Arizona's ability to put together a six-point run, an eight-point run, a 12-2 run here and there. If you can do that, then you have an opportunity to be successful. And I think we're going to see that at times this year. But more often than not, Arizona's approach is going to be able to wear down the opposition because offensively they're relentless. All right, now let's talk. We've had a lot of people ask about Henry Vasar, um, the third peak, as we call it. Again, we're four games in. He's going to get better. There's no doubt about it. But right now, you can also tell that, you know, the game is a little bit too fast for him. You know, you watch the difference between Ballo and Vase or Ballo and Tabellis, and you can see that uh, Henry is still getting his sea legs uh, under him. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Uh, and and I really don't think anybody should be surprised by that right. either. Uh, and hopefully that is uh, something where uh, you're in a position where he does improve as uh, the season progresses. Uh, so, you know, we'll see if that kind of thing in practice is something that, uh, you know, does benefit him as this moves, because Arizona is going to need him. Uh, you can't, it's great to have the inside game that they have and the advantage that they possess on the roster. But again, at times, Ballo's going to have an off game. Tabellus is going to have one of the, they're not going to play perfect basketball 30 plus times throughout the course of the year. Having a guy who's competent, who can come off the bench and buy you some minutes is important. And, uh, you know, that's what you're hoping for in that position. And if you can stroll that out there, then it makes you just that more daunting on the inside, which, as we've noted, is Arizona's advantage. All right. Two things. Let me first of all have a, you always hear me talking about the four peaks as in the U of A big men that take advantage of. And again, Henry Vasar and Dylan Anderson, they do their damage in practice, but they're part of the peaks. Now, the original four peaks is four peaks brewery in Tempe. Now, 
all kinds of good deals going on down there. Watch parties. Um, but if you're here in Tucson, you can get your four peaks at Tap and Bottle. Tap and Bottle downtown is, again, have a lot of watch parties. We're going to be doing that for Arizona basketball as well. But come check us out. Again, Four Peaks Brewery, the official brew of PHNX. Check out the uh, link in the description and more furniture. MORfurniture.com. Not to be mistaken with MOR, MORfurniture.com. The PHNX Studios looks absolutely amazing. And if you've seen any of the photos of it, a lot of that was because of MOR Furniture. Check out the link in the description again, morfurniture.com. If you need to have uh, your interior redone, you know, get some new furniture, check it out again, morfurniture.com. All right, now let's talk about Azulis Tabellis because he was the man of the hour. And our guy, William Brad Alice, has said many times that he believes that Zoo is the best player on this team. Azulis Tabellis did absolutely nothing to dissuade, I think, William from that opinion, even though William isn't on. But what uh, I was impressed by was his first cut. He missed his first couple shots. They were blocked, um, kind of flipping them up at the rim. And then he came back, though, and he started to really finish with aggression down low. I thought this was a very good performance from him and something that I think he needed and I think the Arizona uh, fans needed to see just because of some of the memories of last uh, last October, or like, excuse me, last March. And there's always going to be a what have you done for me lately type thing as well. But tonight, Tabellas did a nice job of rebounding. I think, you know, I feel like Ballo and Tabellas are kind of hand in hand. Tabellus makes Ballo better and Ballo makes Tabellus better. Without one of them on the floor, you know, then defensively you can approach things a little bit differently. When both of them are on the floor, it gives Arizona more of an opportunity inside to be effective. And then most teams aren't going to be able to uh, have that kind of ability to consistently defend both of them. Uh, and and I thought, both, you know, there, there, there were a lot of excellent offensive performances for Arizona tonight, but the two big guys certainly uh, were part and parcel in that conversation. And uh, when they work together in tandem, I think it makes things very difficult for teams on the defensive end. All right. Cedric Henderson is a guy that I think we're going to see a lot of throughout the season. Now, just to rehash, not a lot of people knew what to expect from him. Six foot six wing out of uh, Cam out of Campbell, but um, he had his best games against Duke last year, VCU. He's a unique figure on this team because he's about six foot six. He's pretty athletic. He's pretty long. He can make the three as he's shown by now. He can also finish in transition. He can also finish around the basket. Again, I don't want to make him out like he's Kevin Durant, but he's also, I think this isn't a guy that I think his minutes, his minutes aren't going to fluctuate. I'll put it to you like that. I think he's going to get a steady sum of minutes. While guys like Adama Ball, Kylan Boswell, those will be the guys whose minutes fluctuate. I think Cedric Henderson has, has carved himself out a, a real role uh, for the for the entire season, to be honest. And it's a position that Arizona needs. So it was uh, good awareness on Arizona's part to uh, – uh, utilize what was available to uh, bring him into the program. Uh, and, and here was an example tonight where Larson had the off night that was, you know, that has been talked about already with regularity and Henderson was there. So if you get, uh, if you can have, you know, if you're too deep at every position, uh, you can throw a lot of weapons out there. And Henderson is an example of a guy who I think can step up. He looked very good tonight. And it was in an area where, 
you know, I think there are question marks about what it is that Arizona can do. And the games potentially become interesting in the next couple of days as well. San Diego State has, I think, better athleticism yes. than Cincinnati does. I think since 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 he was pretty good, it was a good it was a good game for it was Arizona. A good first test for sure. Yeah, it, it was good to get accustomed to what you'd expect to have some confidence to figure out what's going on. I think San Diego State is a slight step up from that. Uh, they can cause some problems, and they may be a little bit deeper. And then you look at what's on the other side of the roster, and who knows? Uh, so you know, I think. I think the area of concern is with teams that can throw waves of wings at you and utilize their quickness at that position to counter what it is that uh, Arizona can do, especially by just trying to disrupt things in the backcourt. But, uh, you know, a guy like Henderson, hopefully from Arizona's perspective, can help to negate that a little bit. What I liked also is that uh, Ubar Ballo, I think a big question – I think a big question that I at least had was when he would start going against quicker athletes, when he would start going against guys, would the game get too sped up for him? You know, he looked great against Utah Tech. He looked great against those. He looked very much in his element against easily the most athletic team slash front line that he's gone against. And again, I'm not making Cincinnati out uh you know, like they're a top 25 team, but he looked every bit in his element, whether he was catching the ball uh, 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 with his back to the basket, getting rebounds, et cetera. I thought he looked fantastic. Arizona's interior players are good. Yeah. And I think another year in the system and, and whatever's been going on in the offseason has obviously helped. And that's going to be an area of legitimate concern for every team that Arizona goes up against this year. Right, for sure. Now, have I told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app code word PHNX? People uh, out there, have you guys heard about this? I think people have heard, have definitely heard about it because Cincinnati uh, made a three at the, uh, basically at the buzzer that cost a lot of Wildcat fans who expected the Cats to cover when they should have uh, made DraftKings a little bit of money tonight. All right, well, don't blame me. I'm just the messenger here. I'm the one pushing the PHNX sub, but new customers can bet uh, $5 on any NBA game money line and get $200 if your team wins. Remember last year, John Schuster, you said bet against the Pistons and then they went on like a nine game winning streak. Yes. Yes. I remember that. Well, don't maybe don't take our word for it. Go with what you believe though. And you can also boost your winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX and um, again, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. But again, that's where you want to be, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, and take the over in Arizona games. Um, any game that Arizona is going to play, check that out. Um, again, the DraftKings Sportsbook app and Tap and Bottle Downtown. We're going to get started up for uh, uh, coming up here shortly with uh, away game watch parties. We did that for football. Very good stuff. Appreciate everybody that showed up right there. And we're going to be getting that started again uh, shortly for basketball. Um, Also, they have Four Peaks uh, Brew down there as well, which I have partaken in. So, again, tap and bottle downtown. Check it out. All right. Now, let's talk a little bit about San Diego State because I watched – I'm not going to pretend that I watched San Diego State before tonight. But they're going to be a – they're going to be a good test, I think, for Arizona uh, because San Diego State looked in that game – now, granted, Ohio State looked wretched, but – 
the San Diego State looked every bit the part of your traditional top 25 San Diego State type team. And that you had you had pretty good guards on the perimeter. You were long down low. This should be a real test for Arizona. If Cincinnati was a step up, this is going to be another step up. I think so. And uh, one of the commenters below mentioned that they've got a big guy who also stretches the floor. Good athleticism on the right. inside. I don't know that they, and not a lot of teams do, but they don't match line for line, player for player, what it is that Arizona does on the front line. The Cats are certainly bigger with Ballo and Tabellas on the inside, but it is going to be a very good matchup. And one of the things I'm curious about is how deep can San Diego State go and how effective are they at uh, you know playing the tempo game? Uh, since he got sucked into Arizona's style of play after they really did, did it feel like that? Were, yeah, yeah, where things were sloppy early. It was it, it, it was interesting. It took Arizona about four or six minutes to kind of get accustomed to the pace, and then that pace sar- was something that kind of really got amped up and Cincinnati really couldn't pull things back particularly well. Um, the first, I thought for about the, again, the first four or six minutes, Arizona looked like Cincinnati looked like it was doing a good job of forcing Arizona to be uncomfortable by about an eighth of a step. Uh, you know, there was a lot of sloppy ball, a lot of turnovers, a lot, uh, you know, deflections here and there. It was kind of back and forth and not a lot was effectively happening. Arizona looked rattled early on. And then figured out what it was they were supposed to do. And then it was Cincinnati that couldn't keep pace uh, with the U of A. Uh, I think that's going to be a prevailing theme to a large degree this year. How how effective is the opposition going to be at being able to play within a tempo that's a little bit more comfortable to him, uh, for them? And that'll be San Diego State uh, San Diego State's test tomorrow as well and it should be an interesting matchup there's a there's a lot of athleticism across the way and they're the type of team that i think can give arizona some problems i so agree with that. how the wildcats respond i was very enthused but though by what i saw because i thought going in here let's be honest here i mean we thought the peaks were going to be a big part of what arizona did here but there was a lot of boxes and again these are just one game boxes but these were a lot of boxes that were checked out we've talked about how kirk creesa needs to be able to shoot a certain percentage so far so good um he's uh, and he's looked pretty comfortable doing it He's made some pretty good decisions. His playmaking's a little bit underrated. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he, you know, he generally he can get you six, seven assists on, you know, on a given night. Um, do you know, by the way, do you know why before you uh, move to to some other guy? Do you know why Creasa gets six or seven assists a game? Why is that, John Schuster? Why do you think? Oh no, you asked. Yeah, I, 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 I yes, I did. You well, asked, and I'm, yes. I'm pushing it back towards you. That was well done. Watch, he is phenomenal at looking up the court and finding the guy who's running ahead of the action going the other direction. Mm-hmm. And it's and not usually that's to Bellis. It is. And it's not necessarily a traditional outlet either. Uh, you, you know, when, when we grew up as I'll, I'll put this in air quotes, basketball fundamentalists, there was always, you know, this general structure where you get the rebound and then the guards uh, who are supposed to push it up a little bit further are sort of at the three-point line extended, and then they, you know, try to move the ball from there. Arizona's uh, break under Lloyd isn't like isn't like that at all. It's all pass. Right. But what Creasa does is he makes himself available 
in a way that makes it makes things a little bit more difficult for the defense to kind of cut in front of passing lanes to try right. to limit the effectiveness. And then very often he'll be able to look up the floor and still make the pass and, and get ahead of him. He does a remarkable job of that. And I bet that accounts for three or four of the assists that he has. And it's kind of, I, I was paying attention a little bit to of, uh, on this tonight. What Arizona does, there was a sequence where Tabellis got a dunk and then Henderson got a dunk in back-to-back possessions. And one of the things that I think is interesting that Arizona does is that the player who is defending the shot, and it doesn't matter, especially if it's a perimeter shot, doesn't matter if it's from the baseline like was the case with uh, Tabellis when he missed uh, a a defensive switch where Nolly had one of his 38 open threes tonight. (laughs) Right, 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 right. Whether it was Henderson out on the perimeter closer to the three-point line extended. What they do is that they will, the shot will go up and they'll watch to see if Arizona gets possession or if it goes into the basket and then they streak the other way. It's usually the guy out on the break is the one who's guarding the perimeter shot and he's the one who breaks. And I think the logic is that the shooter probably isn't going to get his own rebound and then you can take advantage of things going the other direction. Right. And for Arizona tonight, that was a very successful approach. And I'm curious to see how that gets tweaked as the season moves along, as teams start to try to break down what it is that Arizona does. But there were there, there was this interesting fine line between either Arizona getting the rebound and then going, as opposed to as opposed to staying on that side of the floor and not breaking too early. Uh, or what the shot goes in on the other way and you're getting down the floor. But it was very often the person who was defending the shot who broke away quicker and was able to score in transition. I want to get to Barrett Hartman's uh, point here in just a second, because I think this is a very good point. But uh, look, real quick about game time. Now, let's just say that you wanted to go to Maui uh, at the last second. And now I don't know that anybody's going to be able to help you with that, but... If there was an entity that would be able to help you, it would be game time because game time specializes in procrastinators and getting them to where they want to get where they need to get. So let's say the William Brad Alice said, you know what? Our pal William Brad Alice, yes. Yeah, he says, I'd like to go with uh, Tyler, his uh, um, precocious son, to, uh, to Maui. And he doesn't have any way of getting it. And he says, I don't have a ton of money either. Game time is where he would go because you could get 60% off and they specialize in getting people like William Brad Alice into the game right there. So again, check it out, game time. Buy your tickets through the link in the description. That's the best way to help out PHNX right there. Again, game time. I prefer to view game time not so much for procrastinators, but for those who are spontaneous and go with YOLO. Okay, you only live once. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. I mean, Use that's game time to get to those games for all the millennials like John Schuster out there. That's mm. the way that they feel yeah. all right, Barrett, and, and how they talk. Barrett Hart. <laughs> this is funny. Will game time have Taylor Swift ticks? I don't know that they have that kind of pal- <laughs> talent right there. Um, Tabellus makes great catches on the run for someone his size. Not easy to run, catch, stop, shoot without dropping pass or traveling. I agree with that. I think that's a great way of putting it. When Tabell, when you watch big men, and we've seen this here at the U of A, we've seen our fair share of clunky big men. When Tabellus catches the ball on a full sprint, he's generally pretty fluid with how he can catch it, how he can stop, how he can finish. That's a trait that a lot of big men, actually the overwhelming majority of big men, just don't have, especially in the college game. 
And it's the type of thing where if you know you're going to be rewarded as a guard more often than not passing it to a big guy on the run, then you're going to have more of a willingness to do that because you don't think it's necessarily going to be a turnover. And right. uh, Tabellus and Bala both do really not- – are very effective in that. And, and it's obviously something that the coaching staff has spent a lot of time uh, to try to enhance. And maybe Tabella's had that skill set coming in, which is nice. But um, having that availability allows Arizona to be a real problem because you don't expect bigs to run the floor and then convert as well and as consistently as the two of them have done so far this year. All right, let's go to buy the numbers right here. We had a Sun Devil put this together, but you know what? We believe the truth is truth no matter what. All right, so 101 to 93, uh, 41 41 to 32, 16. uh, What really sticks out to you is how well both of these teams shot. Do you you factor that into both teams uh, defending bad, or was this just a good shooting night for both teams? Well, I think there's a little bit of uh, deception there in Cincinnati's numbers, especially from (laughs) three-point percentage. At about the 25 to 30 minute portion of the game, let's say mid second half, since he was shooting in the low 30s from three point range. And that allowed Arizona to arm link this game. Remember, you know, you look at the eight point final, it's kind of like, wow. One of our commenters mentioned that with a minute and a half left, this was an 18 point lead for Arizona. Uh, Throughout much of the game, Arizona was up between 10 and 15 and always seemed to be pretty comfortable. Put one of those runs on and then played more or less even. Uh, basketball. Uh, And and it's one of those things where since he couldn't maintain consistency from beginning to end uh, from three-point range. And and even there there was a sequence, Mike, in the first half. And I think it was the deciding point. I think Arizona went on a 13-2 run. Uh, And for all intents and purposes in that run, that was the difference in the game. That from, from there on, both teams were, you know, relatively even here and there. But in that three, four, five, six-minute stretch, Cincinnati didn't take a shot from within 15 feet. There was nothing closer. Arizona's defense was too tall, uh, forced enough, became enough of a problem during that stretch to where since he just wasn't going to be able to keep pace in terms of consistently making perimeter shots and Arizona was eventually going to separate. And uh, that's, that's what happened. So I think a lot of, since he's 50% number has a heck of a lot to, more to do with getting hot late. Uh, right. When the game mattered, uh, you know, Arizona, I think did a, was, you know, did enough to be able to keep this at arm's length. And uh, as a result, sort of coast, uh, are there, are, are there concerns about a good three point shooting team uh, that's a little bit more athletic and has more talent? Absolutely. Uh, but I'm not necessarily ready to sound the alarms just yet. Perhaps tomorrow at this time, things are a little bit different. But uh, generally speaking, I thought uh, that was that that was an inflated number, whereas I think Arizona shooting 62% from the floor was not. And right. uh, that's, that's, that's what happens when you run good offense and, and, and get comfortable with what it is that you're doing. As the game was moving along, Arizona was just carving things up. And and you shoot those kind hell, you shoot 52.5 from the floor. You're having a good night. Arizona's been shooting 60 plus in its first four games, and that puts a lot of pressure on opposing defenses. All right, everybody out there, um, 
can't thank you all enough for hopping on here. We're going to be up with you an hour earlier tomorrow with uh, San Diego State, Arizona, a top 25 clash right there where we're, I think we'll really find out how good Arizona is. Can't thank you all enough out there. This has been fantastic. It's 1220 and we've got 82 live people on there right here. Now, I know that about 70 of them are to hear me talk about Jacob Franklin. But you know what? We bring Jacob Franklin in for those type of reasons. But everybody out there, a sincere thank you. Up to 84 now. Wow. See, you mentioned Jacob Franklin and you get more um, numbers. It's just the way the it key. is. That's oh, the way it is. We'll, uh, but yes, everybody out Everybody out there, thanks a ton. We will be back with you tomorrow immediately after Arizona-San Diego State. Um, for John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke. For Jacob Franklin, you've been listening to the PHNX Wildcats postgame show. Mm-hmm.